This podcast is sponsored by Luke1977. If you fancy grabbing yourself any gear from Luke, don't forget to use the code MAX20, which gets you 20% off almost anything over there at Luke. They've just brought out some really nice new clothing, so go and check that out. Really, really worth it. And don't forget to use that code MAX20 for a 20% discount. Right, hello and welcome back to another Villa on Tour podcast. We're recording this on Sunday morning. Absolutely jubilant, buoyant from uh, yesterday's results at Chelsea away. Simon, how are we feeling after yesterday? Absolutely unbelievable day. Yeah, still buzzing. We were just talking about me how uh, can't get some of the songs out of our head from yesterday. Just, <laughs> just yeah, unreal day. Just, yeah, feeling absolutely brilliant. Let alone one of the best away days ever. One of the best days of my life, honestly. Like, that away day was absolutely sensational. Our record at Chelsea, I talked about it in the, in the video on YouTube. Our record at Chelsea, pretty horrific. One win in 17 at Stamford Bridge, but when Unai Emery's your manager, records go out the window. Absolutely unbelievable day. If you haven't already checked out the Villa on Tour video, please go and do that over on YouTube. The support on it already has been very, very good. Um, so please go and do that. Honestly, you don't want to miss that video. It was so, so good. Please do subscribe to this podcast as well if you haven't already. Apple, Spotify, whatever uh, platform you want to listen to on it is pretty much everywhere so please do subscribe to never miss an episode as well so coming up in this podcast we will talk about our trip down to London an unbelievably good pre-match and our experience from the away end at Stamford Bridge the Unai Emery tactical masterclass that super John McGinn rocket and where do Villa go from here So, as always, only one place to start. Unai Emery watch. It's been a bit boring recently, hasn't he? I mean, he wore the, the shiny coat, but nothing nothing out of the ordinary, unfortunately, was there? No, it was, it was just, yeah. It's been, it's been the same old, but yeah, the shiny coat. I do, I do like the shiny coat. I'm a big fan of it, so look fine. Yeah, not too much to mention, but uh, smart as ever. I do want to mention a couple of his uh, post-match comments, though. Uh, he always mentions the fans first, doesn't he? I don't know whether that's some sort of, like, PR move or whatever it is, but I love that. Always mentions the supporters first. Um, he said they are travelling from Birmingham to here uh, to be with us and enjoy with us. Um, and I'd, I'd genuinely run through brick walls for that man. Like I know he says those things probably to, to, to please a few people, but he just says the right things and I, I'm just loving him at the moment. I think it's important though, like that that building connections with the fans is really important though and it, it's something the previous manager failed to do really and I think that the previous manager's reign sort of ended probably in the end a little slightly prematurely than what it could have been. And I think it was probably because of because of his relationship with the fans as, mm. as joined together with with our bad results. And so the Emery's come in, and um, I think he's also conscious of his of his um, persona in, in in public as well with the media. And I think he's got that he's got that um, PA alongside him now, which he never had at Arsenal. And obviously we know he got hammered at, at Arsenal in, in, in the press for, for certain ridiculous things. And so I think he's quite conscious of it in terms of the PR. But yeah, like you just said the right things doesn't he and I mean yeah he just seems to build that relationship up with the fans as well as us performing on the field I mean it just goes hand in hand really doesn't it he's talked about mentality a couple of times after the game yesterday as well and in particular a winning mentality just absolutely everything he says is absolutely spot on and we we have got that winning mentality now haven't we like we said it before the game yesterday I was speaking to Jamie like walking through uh, London we were saying we don't fear anyone why, why would we fear anyone the way we're going sort of still under the radar why would you fear anyone? And yesterday's again a prime example of going away to a big side. You know, pressure's pressure's not on you really. Pressure's on them. 
and we turn up and do the job again. And that's because we can cook up different sort of tactics each and every game, a different game plan for every game, and we we can sort of keep the opposition uh, guessing because it's not very predictable. We do things which are out of the ordinary and yeah. aren't that predictable, and then. Um, and then the reason why people are confident is because so so we got that up our sleeve, and then and then we're scoring goals, we're scoring every single game since Emery's arrived, um, and then we're not conceding goals either. No. We've conceded one goal in the last five, and that after was, that three game win, Ron, yeah. would you expect that after like that, that Leicester game, for example, that Man City game, the Arsenal game, would you expect that in the next five? No way. Probably not on the defensive side of things. I think if you take if you look at I think if you look at those three games that we lost on the trot, I don't I don't think we played badly in those games. No. If I'm being honest, I think okay, City first half they sort of blew us away and we came back into the second half. But in the Leicester and the Arsenal games, it was poor defensively. And I think we've, we've spoken about that at length before. Yeah. But I don't think we played badly in those games, though. But you're right, like defensively. I think, like I say, that one goal we conceded as well was a really sort of soft yeah. a soft penalty <laughs> that Bailey gave away, if you remember. And um, So that defensive record is incredible. So that's why fans are feeling optimistic ahead of every game. Because, yeah, we've got all these things going for us at the moment. Yeah, you're right. We weren't poor in those games, but we just seem to have gone up a level, don't we? We absolutely yeah. have gone up a level. Yeah. Let's talk about our day yesterday then. Like, obviously, everyone will know who uh, watched the game on telly or whatever, that the away game was was absolutely brilliant. Going to the game was great. But even the pre-match, like it was brilliant. We went to uh, Earl's Court down in West London, one of the poshest away games you're ever going to be to. If you watch the video, you'll see like the houses that were there and walking to the stadium was one of the, the nicest you'll do. Um, but Earl's Court, I think I paid £13 for a couple of points. So what's that, Six fifty. Not outrageous. Um, the pub was decent, though. The atmosphere, it was electric, wasn't it? It was so good yeah. in there. Yeah, it was good. And I think um, the late kickoff in London oh, sort yeah. of lends itself to that. It gives <laughs> us that bit more time, like pretty much before, before we even boarded the coach yesterday. We all met up for breakfast yeah. a little bit earlier. And just, it gave us that little bit more time, didn't it? And yeah, all Villa fans were in fine voice in the um, in, in the pub yesterday. And yeah, it wasn't too bad. I think my I think my two pints that I bought was only like £11. Pounds something. Right. I think it was like 5 70 a pint, which to be fair, for London, in a, in a decent location like Earl's Court, yeah. um, wasn't too bad so yeah like pretty much was brilliant everyone was really really up for it you could feel it couldn't you everyone just felt up for it optimistic sort of you yeah. could feel optimism in the, yeah. in the air though it was brilliant and that that pub was really good as well they had the telly on yeah. you could see the results coming in like yeah. before our game as well which gives us that extra incentive what fulham lost brentford didn't exactly. win uh, Liverpool lost. So, yeah. again, that 5.30 kickoff gives you that incentive, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It gives you a really nice sort of build-up to the game. And then we had a we had a sort of nice sort of casual 20-minute walk to to the ground. And, uh, yeah, it all felt perfect, didn't it? And then, obviously, we were we were heading to the football. And usually, you'd think, oh, yeah, we've had a great pre-match and this is where it all goes downhill. <laughs> but, um, but that's not happening at the moment. No, you're going into it and you're just expecting good things. You are expecting good things. What did you make of Stamford Bridge then? Um, been there a couple of times. When you're walking up to it, you turn the corner and see it. I don't, is it what a big hotel behind the away end? Yeah, it's bizarre, the, isn't it? It doesn't look like you walk into a football stadium. Yeah, there's a couple of big hotels there, aren't there? And um, I know Stamford Bridge has been there forever and it's it's a really sort of traditional old sort of stadium. I know Chelsea are they're talking about flattening it and, mm. um, and, and rebuilding it totally because they've got problems with the space at Stamford Bridge. It's quite tight isn't yeah, it, it is, where, it is. Where, where it is. And so, um, so yeah, but it's an old traditional stadium. But yeah, you're right. You're walking up to it. It does feel a bit odd with all these hotels surrounding it. And uh, But yeah, yeah, it's not bad. You only know you're in a football stadium when you walk out to your seat because even yeah. before you get in the concourse, you go through, if you've watched the Villa on Tour video, you, you'll know, you go through a, a pair of double doors and you're in a really long concourse corridor. It's strange. Before the game as well, this made me laugh. Uh, Chelsea had John Terry and Roberto Di Matteo out on the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> me and you were furiously booing whenever, I, I mean, I like John Terry, but it was whenever Di Matteo spoke. <laughs> me and you were furiously booing because not a fan. He won the Champions League for Chelsea, but for Villa, different end of the spectrum. Not a fan. Yeah, it was hard to, uh, <laughs> it was hard to sort of, 
of like mix your applause for John Terry and with your booing for Dimitri. It was, a, it was really because they were standing together and they kept saying the names together. So it was like a bit of like a, a very quick clap and then a very quick boo towards Dimitri. So uh, most people yeah. were applauding. I think it was only me and you. Yeah, I think everyone hammering Dimitri. I think we got a few funny looks. To be fair, I noticed a few people looking. That's when we were absolutely going <laughs> mental at Dimitri. So yeah, that's quite funny. I think the alcohol might have fueled yeah, that. Probably. <laughs> Another thing as well, the away end's quite tight, isn't it? I mean, it's literally called the shed end. Um, we were quite far around the corner, so we'll talk about it later with the McGinn goal, but you couldn't really see much. Chelsea got safe standing, um, which is decent, but it's, it's a really small, tight, packed-in away end, isn't it? Strange. Yeah, well, the safe standing's made it a little bit more tight, hasn't it? Yeah. It's, brought, it's brought it even more tighter than it already was, but yeah, quite tight. And then I think if you're sitting on like the left hand, if you're in the if you're in the stand, if you're sitting on the left hand side, you can't see hardly anything because the goals right. We've sat there before, yeah. and I, I haven't seen, haven't been able to see the pitch because yeah. of the crossbar. So I think what happens is people sort of migrate over to the right hand side, and yeah. so it becomes even tightly packed. People aren't <laughs> in seats and stuff. So yeah, it was very uh, it was very very close. We were very close to people yesterday, weren't we? And that made uh, for good fun when we scored anyway. But we'll uh, we'll come on to that. Let's talk about team news then. Just going into the game, um, I think the only changes were Ashley Young and, and Kamara coming in. We were talking before the game. I think if Kamara was fit, which he obviously was, he had to come in, didn't we? And Ashley Young is, is an obvious replacement yeah. because of what happened to to Matty Cash over the international break. But apart from that, the other talking point was probably what Buendia or Bailey. I think you could probably toss a coin for that. I don't think. I mean, I predict. Bailey would start. He obviously didn't. Wendy got the nod, but apart from that, pretty pretty much as he were. Yeah, I think we all expected Ashley Young to come in. I don't think there was any any other real options really. I think Ashley was always going to come in, and then as you say, Kamara. He's only been out for a couple of weeks. There was, I don't think there was the fear of him being sort of like tired or anything like that. But no. it was just that um, you know, if he's fit, he's got to play. He's, he's one of our, if not our best sort of player, isn't he? And so. Um, yeah, there was no surprise with the team sheet. As you say, it was a bit of a toss up between Buendia and Bailey, but I think Buendia's sort of he's been um, you know he's been he's been decent recently, and so I, I wasn't surprised to see him get the nod. Made me laugh at the end of the game when uh, Ashley Young came off. Philip put a tweet out. There's a video of him walking off the pitch, and he's absolutely yeah. blowing. I think was it was it him on Instagram? The caption as well saying that he was absolutely knackered. That, yeah, that was he, very was, he was helped. He was helped off the pitch by <laughs> Tyrone Mings and Diego Carlos, which uh, yeah, which made me laugh. But uh, I just applaud him. I think for a bloke he shifting, he's, didn't he? Yeah, for a bloke he's 37, 38. For him to just keep running up and down that wing. And remember, he played defensively. Then he played in a bit more of a, an advanced role yeah. as well um, in the second half. I just applaud him. I think and for him to come in after not playing for the last few weeks as well, like it just shows, just shows you how how dedicated he is. Though and he keeps himself fit, keeps himself in this incredible condition, ready to ready to be called upon. And yeah. you know, when you've got your main right back out, what a, what a player to bring in. And I've got to say, he proved me right. He's proved me wrong, Ashley Young, because towards the end of last season under Gerard, I was looking at him and. He was playing at like left back at that point, if you remember, and um, I, I he wasn't looking brilliant, was he? And I think I was sort of in the camp of, oh, you know, I'd let him go, and I wasn't too, I wasn't too bothered when he got a, an, an extension to his deal. But um, he's really proved me wrong this season because he's been he's been one of our highest performers. I, I, I really believe that he's just so consistent, isn't he? Absolutely mm-hmm. so consistent. And you're right though. I remember the Leicester game in particular at the end of last season. Then we drew nil nil playing left back he, he worried me a little bit and I didn't think like this is the end unfortunately for Ashley Young but he's proved me and you wrong obviously yeah. this season he's been absolutely brilliant he's he's probably one of our most consistent players and you're right though coming in from the cold against you know a difficult game away at Stamford Bridge just so consistent he did everything right yesterday spot on go back to Kamara then quickly there was a little bit of a worry wasn't there because I think he he didn't look comfortable I think he might have been involved in a couple of challenges he, he was on a yellow card he got taken off at half time interesting to see what happens in the in this Leicester game on Tuesday because it didn't look great, did he? He wasn't particularly moving great. And we could see Chambers warming up at half time and obviously Chambers does come on. Interesting to see what happens now with Kamara. 
Yeah, I think he got he got a slight nick, didn't he? I think if you I was watching the highlights back and I think it was on you know where he lost the ball to um was it Mudrick, was it? Was it Felix early on? I, whoever it was early on when Martinez when Martinez fired the ball at him and he lost the ball and they almost scored. Oh, from it was Mudrick, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was Mudrick, wasn't it? And um he got a nick there and I think he had another tackle on him as well. And as you say, he was on a booking. He just didn't yeah, he didn't look as he was sort of like hobbling a little bit and uh, I think it was more of a precaution. I don't think it was a major injury or anything like that, but I think it was out of precaution. Obviously, Chambers has been warming up the whole of the first half, hadn't he, right by us? And then he continued that into into half-time. So it looked like he was going to come on. But, um, yeah, he wasn't moving as freely as he usually was, Kamara. And um, and I think we didn't... I think in, the, in like the, the last 15, 20 minutes of the half, I don't think... We weren't keeping the ball well enough. And I think it was because we were sort of bypassing Kamara yeah. a little bit. Because I think... I think the other players realised that he wasn't looking as comfortable as he normally does. And so, um, yeah, wasn't surprised to see the half-time change, to be honest. Yeah, it's one to keep an eye on, that is. Hopefully, he's not out for too long, but we'll see. Um, Chelsea team was interesting, wasn't it? I think um, Koulibaly was their only recognised centre-back. They played three at the back, Reese James um, and Cucurella beside Koulibaly. They did a similar thing at Villa Park, if you remember. Obviously, we were okay that day. We lost 2-0 at Villa Park. Um, but they did a similar thing and we could have, you know, caused problems for them in the first half. Cucurella is a he's not a great footballer on the face of things, is he? Struggled at Villa Park, struggled yesterday, was at fault for the first goal. 63 million they paid for him. But their team was interesting, wasn't it? I think Reese James come in, he's one of their best players. So yeah, interesting one. That their, their whole defensive setup, wasn't it, yesterday? I think the whole thing for me with Chelsea is that they just look like a group of just individuals thrown together yeah. in a starting eleven. They don't look like a team. There's no sort of cohesion there and there's no sort of partnerships that are built up there. Like players are just sort of thrown in, then they come out of the team, then they're back in. And I think it, they look like that. They look disjointed to mm-hmm. me. And that's and that's how how I can say it. And that bat line look I mean, Cooley Barley just looks he looks like he's treading water every time he plays. He, I can't believe he, they spent so much money. Well, I can't believe they spent so much money on a lot of the players, but Cooley Barley's one. And I thought Cucurado had a particularly poor game. He's, just, well. he's, he's so erratic. Yeah, yeah, yeah he like... is. He is. And obviously it was his error that, that led to Villa's um, opening goal. But um I think Villa knew that. And I think we created in that first 15 20 minutes, we created a good amount of chances. We like the Watkins one, which is shot wide, and McGinn hitting the bar, and then obviously we scored from it. And we had a lot of joy in that first 15 20 minutes. And I, I think Cooley Barley and uh, Kukurela probably contributed to that, from being honest. I think the difference in the game at Villa Park, they changed it, didn't they, at half time? And that was really frustrating. They obviously started with three at the back in that first half, but um, in the second half, Kukurela, I think, went off or went to left back. They sorted themselves out, but that, was, that obviously didn't happen um, at the weekend. You talk about them early chances there for Chelsea. They had that one where uh, Martinez plays it to Kamara. He's a little bit slow off the ball, and uh, Mudrik has that chance. It's a good save for Martinez. They had a couple of chances, didn't they? I think Mudrik had another one where it was one on one. It was sort of a back pass, wasn't it? It was really terrible, but they had chances. But I didn't. I never felt seriously concerned. They just looked like they lacked a bit of conviction yesterday. They had chances. They did. If you look at the stats, it looked like they absolutely battered us. But I was never seriously concerned. No. And they do lack that conviction, don't they? That you, you can tell when a team is absolutely firing. Like Arsenal, some of the goals they've scored this season, some of the Villa goals, some of the patterns we mm. come out with going forward. I didn't really see that from Chelsea yesterday. I don't I don't think they carved us open. I think the chances that they had were, were ones that we'd sort of gifted them, if I'm being honest. If you look at the first one, obviously, when Kamara gives it away, and then that one you're talking about when Mudrick went through, and it was uh, he should have been a lot better. It was a poor shot. Even that one, we sort we gave the ball away, and we were sort of exposed a little bit high mm. up the pitch, and it was a simple ball through. And so I think the chances they did have were it came from our own doing, if I'm being honest. I think their main threat in the first half was uh, Chilwell. I thought, yeah. he, I thought he was definitely their main threat. And um, 
you could see Potter wanted everything to go through go through that side with Chilwell because he was definitely their main threat and he got in a couple of times in there. Um, but obviously we'll talk about it talk about it later. But Emery obviously made that switch at half time to to stop Chilwell more and that actually worked. But yeah, Chilwell was definitely their main threat in the first half. Uh, Villa had a couple of chances, didn't they? Uh, that Watkins one where he, not really expecting that from Watkins. Are you expecting it to, to be buried in the back of the net? But he drags it. But before that, though, it's really good play from McGinn and, and Buendia. And they were linking up brilliantly. They're, just everything looks like it's coming off. They, they know how each other play. Ramsey involved as well. We'll talk about Jacob Ramsey. I thought he was excellent yesterday. Yeah. Really, really good. We've, we're seeing them driving runs, which we haven't quite seen since he's come back from injury. He's taken a fair few weeks to get back up to the to the Jacob Ramsey that we know and love. And we know that he can be. Um, um, obviously, coming off that that decent international break for him, uh, playing for the England under twenty ones, where uh, he scored against France, he looked very decent. Was the captain for that for that second game, which is big for him. But for me, he's back to his best now, and that Chelsea game is a prime example of it. He was great. Well, that's where he's unique. He's his, he's his driving runs from from midfield. He's got he's very strong as well when he when he goes on them runs. He can hold players off and get past them because of his speed. And he's quite unique with that Jacob Ramsey when he's on form. You know, teams can't stop him. Um, and then obviously John McGinn is just in terrific form, isn't he? And I, I don't think he hardly gave the ball away again yesterday. No. It was just he won the ball so back so many times, and he's just got that energy and that determination, that grit at the moment, and also that quality though that you need as well. And um, yeah, that ball to Watkins was another great ball, and um, yeah, for that chance. And I and I think I think Watkins saw the goal. I think the goal. I think he caught the guy. I think he caught the eye of the goalkeeper very very early on, and that's why he, that's why he shot quite early. Watkins and obviously dragged it wide. But, first touch was brilliant. Yeah, it was. The first touch was incredible. He was, but I think he yeah, he, but he definitely rushed it. I think he yeah. saw the goalkeeper on coming. I think he thought he was closer than he actually was, um, and that's why he shot wide. But yeah, a good chance. And obviously we had the. John McGinn chance not long after that one as well where he hit the bar and so we, we, we create some decent chances yeah we go one nil up then Ollie Watkins and it's a, an exceptional goal comes from uh, all comes from Louise in his own half and we've seen it a few times aren't we he sort of has the ball under a little bit of pressure and he has that burst of speed doesn't he, he sort of turns and drops a shoulder a little bit bursts past whoever's pressing him he goes past. It's a great ball over the top. We've already talked about how dodgy we think Cucurella mm. is. I don't know what he's doing, hedging it over uh, Koulibaly. If he's not there, Koulibaly mops it up easily. Goes over. Watkins one-on-one. I was going to say never in doubt, but we just talked about him missing a one-on-one. Yeah. But it's an excellent finish, isn't it? Really, really good lob over uh, Kepa. Really good goal. Yeah, it's a cool, really cool finish. Really calm, cool finish, which is what you what you want to see. Um, and and everyone love, loves this sort of chip goal, don't they? But um, yeah, it all started from Louise. I mean, as you say, that... Sort of driving, driving forward from from the defensive midfield position, and that's what he's been doing more and more yeah. of uh, recently. And it's it's how he's t- took his game to another level, Louise. Really, I mean, he's not just keeping it simple anymore. He's probably taking risks, and you know, he's driving forward against teams, and he's creating them opportunities. And yeah, defensively, it was poor. I mean, obviously, Kukurela's. Uh, with the header, but then I also think if Koulibaly takes control of that situation, though, as you know, as that leader and that's bat line, it probably mm. doesn't happen. Yeah. Um. So I think between the two of them, it was really poor defending between between the both of them, and then um, Ollie Watkins latched onto it, and yeah, it's just a great, great finish. And um, I thought it was deserved at that point, though. I thought it was really deserved. Yeah. I think the chance we'd created, how we took the game to them away from home, I thought Villa, de- I thought Villa deserved the lead at that point. He's the first Villa player to score in five consecutive away games and another record as well. Um, he scored 10 Premier League goals in three consecutive seasons now. First player yeah. since Benteke. And you were saying yesterday, um, do you fancy him to sort of break that Premier League Villa record? You thought Gabby didn't score as many as, yeah, as he did. Yeah, I didn't. I, I, I didn't realise. I thought I, for some reason I thought he was not the late fifties, Gabby. But obviously, seventy four, seventy four, yeah. 74. So maybe Watkins won't break that. I mean, he's, he's, he's not even halfway. He's not, he's not even halfway. <laughs> so, so not. But no, do you know what though, Wally Watkins? I mean, 
it's 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 hard to be a consistent goal scorer in the Premier League though, and I think he's doing it exactly. And but years ago, like we used to talk about a twenty goal a season man, and I think that's changed these days. I think if you've got a fifteen, the, the old twenty goal a season man, it's turned into like your fifteen goal a season man now, where they're highly prolific. Yeah. Um, unless you're some someone ridiculous like Haaland, and obviously that's totally different. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, it's not an easy feat, is it, for for the third season on the trot to to reach ten Premier League goals and um and and he's in and he's in such good form. You 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 would sort of back him to go on and get thirteen, fourteen, fifteen before the season's out. I would personally. I mean, he's in terrific form, and I think since the sale of Danny Ings in January, it's just it's all sort. I think it's all just sort of become clearer in our minds about yeah. who's the number one striker. How do we play? And I think it's become clear in Watkins' mind as well that he hasn't got the whole being shifted out to the to, to, to the wing or Danny Ings just behind him. He hasn't got that to worry about anymore. He just knows that I'm the number one striker and I'm the I'm the one that's going to score the goals. And I think it's weirdly helped. It's really strange. It's strange. I mean, people were totally. I mean, some people were totally against selling selling, selling Danny Ings at the time because it was for good cover. But um, I think again, Emery made an absolute masterstroke with that because he's just. Built Watkins up into this sort of at the moment, sort of this prolific player that that he is, and um, yeah, I just and it's also his work rate as well. It's not just the goal scoring; it's it's what else he does in the game. And I think at the moment he's just he's just at firing on firing on all cylinders. No, he's so ruthless, and I think you talk about his work rate there. I think what epitomizes that. I think late on in the game when we we were pretty much cruising at two 0 he has that unbelievable bit of skill, doesn't he, to get yeah, around three yeah. players, and that's what confidence does for you. Yeah. He's absolutely one of the best strikers in the Premier League at the moment. Absolutely flying and. Yeah, it's unfortunate he didn't get in the England squad because of the form of Kane and Tony. They are flying as well. But he is his form is incredible and he's got that ruthless streak, which we haven't seen from him in, in, in the past and what he's been criticised for. I think when we go 1-0 up between then and sort of half-time, it was sort of, I wouldn't say all Chelsea, but Villa didn't have as many chances and it was um, a lot of possession in, in Villa's half, uh, Chelsea on the ball. But I don't think, again, lack conviction. Mudrick has that one-on-one. It wasn't great. Felix had a couple of chances. And don't get me wrong, Martinez made a couple of really, really good saves, especially that one down by his near post. It was excellent. But mm. again, though, wasn't majorly, majorly concerned from Chelsea's threats. No, I felt pretty comfortable. I thought the back line had... A decent, a decent day. I really did. I thought I never felt massively, massively under threat of us losing, you know, lo- losing a goal. Um, I think, like I say, I think the main, the main threat that Chelsea posed was definitely Chilwell down that left hand side, and he did get in a couple of times. Um, but yeah, you're right. Martin has made a couple of decent saves, but I never felt like we were. I never felt like really in danger. If I'm being totally honest, and. Um, yeah, and we when we managed to see the half out. You, the thing is, when you go away to a team like Chelsea, you know you're going to give up possession. You, 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 it just happens because obviously the quality of the players that yeah. they've got, you have to sort of accept that. You have to sort of suffer with it and just make sure that you've got your your structures in place and your defensive line. And and, that, and that's and that's what we did yesterday. I thought we managed that really, really well. We were patient, and um, I mean, we won every single and every ball that came to the box again. Conza and Mings just dealt, dealt with it yeah, every yeah. single time. Um, and then the second half, Chambers did the same. But yeah, I, I thought defensively we were good. But yeah, never majorly, majorly in threat, I didn't feel. They had 27 shots with eight on target. They had the majority of the ball, majority of everything, basically. So if, if you didn't watch the game, if you just look at the stats, you'll think Chelsea battered Villa and it was a smash and grab for Villa. If you watched the game, if you were there, if you saw it, I don't think it was really like that. Talked about it. Chilwell was was their best player probably all day. Um, had that disallowed goal as well. Hit the post. I think with the disallowed goal, 
it is a foul, isn't it? I think what's important as well, the referee blows the whistle before it's in the back of the net anyway. I mean, he had his finger to his ear, probably talking to VAR, but you can't change it because the whistle's already gone. But it is a foul, isn't it? There's a clear push. Ashley Young's on the floor before he's even headed it. It's a foul. Yeah, it is a foul. Obviously, if that if, if Chilwell doesn't push Ashley Young, then he probably doesn't. isn't able to get the power behind the head as we get it into the net. So, of course, of course it's a foul. But um, you're right, the referee... He definitely blew his whistle before um, mm. before that goal went in. Um, so I'm not really sure why he was consulting with VAR because well he wouldn't be able to anyway. Yeah. So but yeah, it was it was a clear foul. Um, some people would say I was watching match of the day actually, and they were saying it was a bit theatrical from Ashley Young. Well, that's the typical thing to say, isn't they it? They wouldn't be saying that if, it was, course, if it was the course. other way around and Chilwell went down. They'd be going, oh yeah, clear foul play. Yeah, of course they were saying, <laughs> oh I don't think that sort of level of contact would make him go down oh, like that. And give I'm it just, a rest. I don't know what they were talking about. It was a clear foul, and um, and yeah, the, the referee got it spot on. You could see his arms. You could see. Chilwell's yeah. arms yeah. stretched out pushing Ashley Young yeah. going in at half time at 1-0 then really important clean sheet the system change was interesting wasn't it we've already talked about Kamara going off Chambers coming on we expected him on the face of it to just be a like for like change going into that base of the midfield but in the second half I, I, admittedly our view was pretty restricted because of where we were pretty low down in that shed like away end but it looked like Chambers was playing more pushed out right hand side wasn't it Ashley Young was obviously still there it was interesting what he did there, wasn't it? And you're right, though. You talked about it earlier. Probably to deal with Chilwell, wasn't it? It was. I think he was. I think from where we were sitting, it was difficult to see um, what was what was right in front of us on the pitch over on that side. Um, but I think it was really clever by Emery, actually, because a lot of managers would have done a light-for-light light change there and wouldn't have changed. But it was quite brave of him again. They were Villa 1-0 up. You know, we were winning the game and it's quite, it'd be very easy just to send the players back out of exactly the same system, but he didn't. He, he, he was looking at what well, Harrow Chelsea hurt in the first half and the one way they were hurting us was with Chilwell. Um, and so what he did, he sort of, he sort of doubled up, didn't he? That's what he did. He yeah. put like Ashley Young, um, sort of like wide, sort of right in like a wing sort of position, but like a little bit further back. And then Chambers in that sort of, you know, that, that right centre half. So we had three at the back and Ashley Young was like a wing back essentially. And it, and it worked. It, it dealt with Chilwell's threat, didn't it? I yeah. think that that threat was, wasn't there in the second half. And, um, Big credit to Ashley Young and Chambers over that side because they they totally nullified him. But but again, another master stroke, little bit of you know tactical nerves from Unai Emery, which I don't think any of us saw coming or would or would have would have even thought he'd do. Um, and that it just shows you why I suppose we're not elite football managers and he <laughs> and he is because everyone was everyone you know if you if you'd have said at half time that's what he'll do you'd have been like nah I feel like I'm going to go to a five at the back but. We did, and it worked an absolute treat. Yeah, it did. Chilwell was much quieter in that second half, and I think to deal with that, Chelsea put Pulisic on towards the end of the game, didn't they? And they wouldn't have done that in the first half, because yeah. Chilwell was controlling that left-hand side, mm. but uh, Pulisic comes on to give Chilwell that little bit of support, but again, that really didn't do much. Should we talk about that goal then? Let's talk yeah. about that goal. John McGinn, um, his first Premier League goal of the season. I've said it previously on the podcast that it's been, what, nearly 50 Villa games without a goal before Chelsea? When he next gets that goal, I'm going to be absolutely loving it. And, mate, I wasn't wrong. What a goal. Absolute scenes. Again, though, I think it was clever play, though, again. I think if you watch the move, obviously it came from the corner, didn't it? And Louise puts the corner in. He's aiming to go. He's aiming to go near post, and somebody sort of controls yeah. it and rolls it back. It's like Bournemouth. He, that's what yeah, he was doing against Bournemouth. That's, that's yeah. That's what he was aiming to do. And obviously, um, it sort of ricochets back to um, to Buendia and into into J- uh, Jacob Ramsey. And I, I didn't think the pass was great from Ramsey. From where, again, from where, again, from where we were sitting, <laughs> I thought the pass was really short. Uh, but then obviously uh, McGinn comes onto it and just absolutely batters it in. And well, I say batters it. He sort of side footed, didn't he? he goes through about three yeah, plays as well. If you look at the angle behind, I think how he, he goes in, I, don't I think he was just so precise, rather than like being 
like the normal shot John McGee would take would absolutely batter launch it wouldn't it. they launch it um, but uh, but he didn't he sort of placed it um, and he oh, it was just incredible and yeah it was one of them goals like you know when you see like nestle in the net like yeah. you hear the net as well like yeah. as it as it like as it like nestle nestles in the corner it was just one of them goals and obviously the away end then just absolutely just moves and it's just absolutely <laughs> crazy wasn't it in the away end at that point I was expecting from where we sat I was expecting Jacob Ramsey to shoot I was thinking oh go on open up go for that fast stick but he lays it off and you're right that pass is a little bit short it's sort of like a controlled smash, isn't it? It's mm. like on the side of his foot, John McGinn. The finish is outrageous. It was worth the wait, that goal. Um, and it kind of goes into that side netting and rolls around the net. Mm. It's absolutely beautiful. Mm. Watching it on the replay, it's so good. But when we were there, we didn't really, really yeah. see much. But then he comes and celebrates right in front of us. The scenes are absolutely outrageous. And shout out Matty Bird. He was on the um, on the video in the pub beforehand. There's some unbelievable pictures going around of him sort of standing on the advertising hoardings uh, when all the players are like right next to him. And he's on Tyron Mings' Instagram. All of the pictures, he's there. Absolutely incredible. And I think he like high fives Ashley Young as well. He was absolutely loving it. But the scenes... <laughs> well yeah. worth waiting for that McGinn goal, wasn't it? Incredible. Yeah, I'm not quite sure how Matty got away with that one. If I'm being honest with you, he was over. He was over the front, even in front of the fans, wasn't he? I'm surprised the stewards didn't, oh, didn't sort of grab Matty because well, he grabbed older Matty. To be fair, as but... soon as that goal goes in, about 15 stewards like come yeah, running up. Yeah, I've never yeah. seen stewards run so yeah, fast. Yeah, it was mad. I think the movement in the away end was just incredible. <laughs> and do you know what? I think overall, the overriding thing though, while it was such a great goal, I think everyone was just so pleased for John McGinn though, yeah. because you know, like he, he had a bit of stick in the start of the season and. You know, he wasn't playing so well and he'd been given the captain's armband and people weren't convinced about his credentials as a captain and and, and also the same, we've been talking about it. But obviously Emery's come in, he's been moving this new advanced position and he just he's been so good, hasn't he? And he's just deserved that goal. He's really deserved it. And obviously first half he hit the bar, which again was really yeah. unlucky. And so for him to score a goal like that, you could just see the emotion from him as well, yes. couldn't you? Like as he sprinted towards the Villa fans, and never seen him move so fast. No, nor, nor <laughs> me, nor me, and all. And obviously, he's so well liked, isn't he? You saw yeah. all of his, every single one of his teammates, bar the goalkeeper, come and celebrate that goal. And um, yeah, it was a big goal. But I just, I just, I'm just so pleased with John McGinn because mm. he's been so good recently. And yeah. Um, yeah, and I'm just, I'm so glad he's got back to that point of playing well for us because he's such a key player. And I saw Emery's interview after the game, and he was talking about McGinn's determination and his grit and how good he is around the players with the other players and just his, just his attitude and how much of a, a good athlete he is. And um, mm. yeah, I'm just so, so pleased for him. He's a, he's a vital cog in, in, in the Villa team. And, um, and he will continue to be as well. No, he's my he's probably my favourite player at the moment. I absolutely love John McGinn. He's, he's been our best player f- for weeks and weeks, probably. I looked at you as soon as the goal went in, <laughs> and I, I could see the disbelief on your face. <laughs> We've already talked about how busy that away end yeah. was, because everyone had sort of shifted over. Like there, there was far too many people where we were sat that probably should have been there. Um, but I just looked at you. There was literally <laughs> people stood on the seats, climbing over the safe standing, falling all over each other. And I look at you, and there's some woman on top of you, arms everywhere. <laughs> your face is just pure pure disbelief honestly <laughs> it is so good and the pic- we're on we're on pictures as well yeah, aren't we? We are. obviously yeah. Matty Bird is front and centre of course but we're, we're loving it as well and it was oh, that is one of my favourite Villa goals for a while and we know John McGinn has got that screamer in his locker yeah. but again though I mean we haven't seen enough goals from him full stop but you know he can score a screamer and that was just absolutely class one of my favourite like moments of the season. I hate using that word because that's what the previous manager does and it makes me feel a bit sick. Um, but one of my favourite moments this season, hands down, unreal. I think it was just a huge moment in the game though as well. Moment in season? Yeah, but, but I think the game was a bit on the knife edge at that point. We, yeah. I mean, obviously we came out in the second half, we were... We were probably being a little bit more pragmatic going the five at the back, if I'm being honest. I know it's a bit of a cliched word, pragmatic, but it probably was a little bit. And then 
we obviously we were on the counter. We were still dangerous on the counter attack, and that's what we that's what we did. And so for him to for, for Villa to go two 0 up at that stage of the game, what was it like late fifty odd minute, wasn't yeah. it? It was a massive moment in the game, and I think you know half an hour to go, Chelsea, we, 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 we Villa sort of resolute defending how we how we been over the last few weeks. I, I think I think that we all knew that that game was just going to pan out to be a Villa win in the end. I don't think any of us were worried that Chelsea mm. were going to get back in the game. It reminded me of the Spurs game yes. a little bit. Yeah, it yeah. really reminded me of the Spurs game. I think Villa were better. I think Villa were better in the first half against Chelsea yesterday than they were in that Spurs game in the first half. But just it just reminded me of it, like like goals at key moments. Yeah. Um, and the performance sort of reminded me of it as well. And so, yeah, it was just, uh, it was all round really, really good. But yeah, perfect moment to score. And it sort of wrapped that, wrapped that three points for us, for, up for us. Even with over half an hour to go, like I say, we was, I was really comfortable and convinced that we were going to see that, that three points out. It's funny because the lad in front of us was sort of saying, oh, when are Villa going to throw this away? And that's, that's probably yeah, like from yeah. us being traumatised from the last yeah. decade of being crap. But he was sort of saying, right, lads, when are we going to concede here? And I was like, oh, yeah, 84th minute's coming. But he never really did, did it? Like, he was fine. I wasn't I wasn't that worried. Again, like the first half, they just lacked a bit of something, didn't they, Chelsea? I think when that second goal goes in, that's Villa's game wraps up there, isn't it? Well, the thing is, it's easy to look at stats, though. And this is why I don't really like looking at stats too much. Because if you look at it, you think, oh, Chelsea had 27 shots and they absolutely battered Villa. But the thing I say, though, is that a lot of these shots came from outside the box. Yeah. And Villa are always going to be comfortable. If you if you start shooting wildly from outside the box, and there was a, there was a load that went into the upper tier yeah. at Chelsea home end. Um, and obviously there was one where like Kante like shot like it dragged wide, it. got dragged it wide, and they were all just a bit like pot shots, weren't they? Like a bit desperation sort of shots, and that you know, then that would bump your sort of stats up. That yeah. would, but so I don't really like looking at stats too much. You know, like sometimes it's important. I get it, but in a game like yesterday, like you wouldn't have looked at them, if you looked at them stats, you'd have thought, oh, Villa were really really lucky to win that game. But if you watched the game, we weren't, we weren't at all, and so it's why it's a bit of a dangerous game looking at stats sometimes. Um, but yeah, like if you if team want to keep shooting outside the area then I'm quite quite happy with that absolutely the atmosphere was incredible especially after that second goal winning I thought it was excellent all day to be fair in that away end but it was electric wasn't it there was a new uh, Unai Emery song about Christian Perslow going to Spain in a Lamborghini and picking up a a manager in Super Super Unai Emery like the the away end was absolutely incredible and the fact it's so packed in and tight and there's so many people crammed in there like sardines electric electric atmosphere one of the best of the season yeah it felt like the noise generated it felt like we were like the home team towards the end of that game it, it genuinely did it really it really felt like we were the home team one of the best away ends I've been in for a long time and sometimes when it's like separated out like lower tier and upper tier sometimes you don't get a great atmosphere yeah. we've been in a way in but well Villa fans I'll put that sort of myth to bed like yesterday because it was it was incredible in that way and it was one of like I said definitely one of the best away ends I've been in for a very long time and just just a shout out to the Villa travelling support though I, every single week they you know we we sold out every single week and um you know we we travelling our numbers and I, I just I just think the support's incredible so noisy and um yeah and again it helps the players get over the line though and you can see and you can see how much the players appreciate it again at the end of the yeah. game every single one of those players was over there celebrating with the supporters and um yeah it's 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 a it's a good bond which this team have with the fans again at the moment and that's quite nice isn't it because it felt like that bond that dean smith had built up um was sort of moving away a little bit under gerard and i think emery's just pulled that back hasn't he and sort of enhanced it even further and uh yeah it's just so nice to see yeah the, one of the highlights of the day is when the players all come over isn't it and are applauding and waving and throwing their shirts into the away end and sometimes even singing along to the, to the songs. It's absolutely brilliant. I loved it. Another highlight of the day as well was um, 
Carney Chukmaweka was literally warming up <laughs> yeah. right in front of us, wasn't yeah. he? And Carney, Carney, what's the score was going round. I don't want to swear on the podcast, but singing about how he's not quite as good as Jacob Ramsey and things like that. Yeah. He must have absolutely hated that, Carney. To go there, take all the money, go to Chelsea, become one of their 15 signings in, in the summer, whatever. It's brilliant, wasn't it? It's winding him yeah. up. I love things like that. Love it. He looked, f- he looked fuming as well. Like, he kept look- <laughs> but he wanted he, to run away. Honestly, he kept looking back towards the Villa end as we were singing, Carney, what's the score? And he looked fuming. Do you know what? I absolutely love that sort of petty <laughs> sort of like sort of banter. Though. Like, Carney, what's the score? That's like, that was one of my favourite chants of the whole day. That was. I, just, I thought that was genius of the Villa fans. I proper love that one. A few other players that haven't even got a mention yet, which I think deserve to. We've already talked about McGinn and Ramsey and how good they were. I thought Moreno was brilliant again. I'm so impressed with him. To get him for 12 13 million, which is peanuts in, in this day and age. Look at Chelsea, look at the money there splashing around. Madrid, bang average yesterday, what was he? 80 million. Um, Enzo Fernandez, like absent yesterday, what was he pushing 100 million? Moreno to get him for 12 13. I thought he was excellent yesterday, mopped up everything he needed to do, controlled the game. It's his speed as well. He just yeah. looks, he's so athletic and quick off the mark. His acceleration, he's great going forward, excellent, even defensively yesterday. He was brilliant. He deserves a massive shout out. He was brilliant. Yeah, it's his speed and his fitness which massively helps him. I mean, you even towards like the end of a game, you'll see him, you know, sprinting still and able to get himself out of tricky positions. And um, his his distribution's pretty good as well, um, and that really helps him. Um, yeah, I think there's the times defensively when you think, oh, you know, he's been he's been caught out again a little bit, but I think his his his, his attributes sort of make up for that though. Like his attacking attributes and, like I say, his speed and his uh, and his and his fitness really really helps. And then I mean, it's not a bad sub to be able to make late on the game, or is it? You're looking yeah. to to be a little bit more defensive. You're looking to keep Chelsea at bay. And he brought Luca Dean, and I've got to say it's about Luca Dean. He was only on for a few minutes, but. He, he was he was tested a few times and Luca Dean won it like every single time he had it and I thought and to be fair to him I thought yeah it's not it's not a but it's not a bad option to have off the bench is it but I think in but in terms of Moreno yeah as you say twelve million when you see what what fees um, you know teams pay for other players I think it's it's been a, it's been a really good buy and um, yeah he just settled in straight away to Emery's squad hasn't he. We've already talked about how good defensively we've been in the last few weeks. Four clean sheets in the last five. Obviously, that one game we conceded was that that West Ham one. Martinez, uh, as well as Watkins, breaking records yesterday. The most clean sheets in his first 100 Villa appearances. I don't know if you saw it, that that nice video uh, Villa yeah. tweeted out of, of Bosnich and Friedel sort of congratulating him. Another record. And he did a video himself, didn't he, Martinez, after the game yeah. saying, thanks for the support, whatever, let's get to Europe. And you mm. see that as a fan and you just think, like, I love you. I love you, Martinez. Yeah. I just love it. Yeah. I love things like that. So good. He's incredible. He's absolutely incredible, Amy Martinez. And I think um, sometimes you can take it for granted having like, such a good, good uh, bloke as your goalkeeper. Yeah. I really do. And I mean, we've had some pretty stinkers in terms of goalkeepers <laughs> over the years. And do you know so- what surprised me? Sorry to interrupt. On that graphic that, that Villa put up of like the top goalkeepers to get to the most clean sheets in 100 appearances, yeah. Brad Guzan was on there. I was like, Jesus, is this the standard we're at? I think he got 20 clean sheets in his first 100 games. But it's like, if he's on that top five mm. list, it just says it all about how bad our goalkeepers are. It, it does. It, you're, you're sort of few and far between over the years in regards to good goalkeepers, unfortunately. And um, yeah, I mean, Emmy Martinez is just... Oh, he's just—he's just incredible, isn't he? He's just—he's so. I—I'm—I've run, I've run out of, of superlatives to talk about with Martinez. He's that good. Uh, he's just—he's just so confident with him in goal. And every time a ball comes into the box, like sometimes before the ball's even left the player's foot, I'm like, keepers, mm. keepers, ball. This is, and like you just because you just know if he comes, he's gonna get it. Yeah, you just—you just know that. And I think it's um, 
it's rare in this day and age as well though, to get goalkeepers who really command their areas and come and collect the ball. Like keepers love punching it these days. Yeah. Keepers, you know, keepers love standing on the line or punching. De Gea, it. for example, yeah. he's been raved about for the last decade, but he's he's he does that loads, punching, yeah. saving it with yeah. his feet. Martinez does everything spot yeah. on. I mean, see, it reminds me when he comes out for it. He's a lot more accurate in doing it, but when he comes out and claims the ball, it reminds me when David James used to play for Villa, and like, David James was like a monster goalkeeper, and like he was you know really big, a big bloke, and you knew that the ball comes into the box, and David James is always going to come out and try and catch it. Mm. Okay, he obviously had the reputation of being calamity James in the end, <laughs> and he you know he 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 cost like a few goals, and one in particular in the FA Cup final against Chelsea when he did it. But that's what he sort of reminds me of Martinez, like when David. James was on it. He was like an absolutely incredible goalkeeper, and Martin is kind of he's just more consistent. Martin yeah. is, but how he comes out and claims the ball, and it helps take the pressure off. But yeah, Emmy Martin is what a bloke, and um, let's just hope we can keep him, keep him around, and um, and 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 just build this side around him because he's just well, he's he's one of the best goalkeepers in the world, isn't he? He's in that top two or three goalkeepers in the world, and for us to have him. Um, it's just remarkable, really. It's a good way to describe him. I like what you said there, a monster goalkeeper. And that sums him up absolutely spot on. Yeah. He's brilliant. He's such a good guy as well. Like you see, even when he goes on international duty and, you know, the Arge- the Arge- they love him in Argentina. Mm. The kids have all got uh, Emmy Martinez shirts on and he's he's a good bloke. And he like he's always saying hi to the kids and signing stuff for them. He just comes across as an absolutely top bloke. And he's, according to FIFA, the best goalkeeper in the world. And he belongs to Aston Villa. Absolute yeah. privilege to have him. What a blow. So let's look forward then. Scored in every game under Unai Emery. Most wins in the Premier League since Emery's come in, apart from Arsenal and Man City. To have that record of the most wins since Emery's come in, apart from the top two, that's outrageous. And I don't know how we keep... What more can we say week on week? We just absolutely... It's just a, an Emery-loving podcast week on week, but he deserves it. The job he has done. I think there was a little graphic that the Premier League tweeted this week with like every game week, how each club has gone up and down. And you look at Villa, you know, flirting with the, the bottom three towards the, the first 10 games of the season. Since then, we've just gone up, 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 consistent on 11th. We're now in ninth, above Fulham, who are falling, above Chelsea, who we've beaten yesterday. Looking good. And what are we now? We're, we're points off Liverpool, two points off Brentford, two points off Brighton, two points off sixth. Who on earth would have predicted that in October? It's incredible. It's gone, it's gone really under the radar, um, which which we which we quite like. But I don't think some some people I don't think people realise how good it's actually been. I mean, for instance, I know it's all ifs and buts, but I saw I saw something last night that if Emery had been say the manager from the start of the season. If he'd have added another ten points to our total, so what three wins and a draw, which which, which is easily possible from how we've been performing, Villa will be sitting third right now, and and that I think that just sums up the form that we've been in since he's come in as manager. Look, I'm not saying that would have happened, but it just it just kind of just shows you what sort of form form we've been in. Um, I just think it's remarkable what he's done, and and I, I said this a few weeks ago, but big credit to the players as well, though, because I think the players. Have been highlighted in the past as being the sort of training ground players. It's, yeah. been, it's been said quite a lot, and they they sort of slip up and bottle it every opportunity, and they don't step up. And you know we haven't got this sort of winning mentality within the squad. Mentality and issues, and all yeah, sorts. yeah. You've heard that a lot. You've heard that a lot throughout the last two managers' uh, regimes. To be fair. Um, and yes, the manager's key to it, of course, is and Unai Emery takes so much, so much of the praise, and rightly so, because it's his, it's his methods, it's his tactics. Um, but the players have still got to execute it. Though. They're the ones that are on the field, and I think a big credit to the players for getting us in this position. Because um, yeah, I, I just, I just, I like it how they've sort of responded to those sort of critics out there who have said that we, we've got a squad full of lot losing sort of players. And yeah, I think that they are sort of 
fighting back against that and the position we've got ourselves in is absolutely remarkable we're now in the top half of the table we've absolutely sailed past like the relegation fight which we thought we were going to be in under Gerard. um and we're now sort of it's in sort of our own hands it's, it's in everyone's hands i get it but it's in our, our own hands now in terms of where we finish this season and uh looking at the table this morning it's for me it's like we need to go all full tilt now for europe yeah right? yeah we genuinely do. Points off Liverpool, who do have a game in hand. Brighton, they're flying. They've got two games in hand. They're two points ahead of us. Uh, Brentford, we've still got them to play. Brighton to play. Fulham to play. We talked about it previously, saying, yeah, you're always possible. Do we think it will happen? No. It can happen. It is a serious, serious possibility. And I've, I've heard it a few times on various podcasts, various people, whatever, saying, oh, you know, yeah, it would be good to get Europe, but realistically, it would be better if we got it next season because we don't have a big squad. You know, look at the bench. We've got eight players on it. We don't fill the bench. Two goalkeepers. It doesn't work like that for me. If we can get Europe, you do Europe. We invest, you, we of reassess course. in the summer. You sign players. We go for Europe. You can't pick and choose. You know, a few years ago, we were playing Blackburn on a Tuesday night in the, in the, in the championship. Like, let's be serious about this now. If we've got a serious opportunity about Europe, which we really, really do, it's a genuine possibility. What, eight could get your conference league? People mock the conference league. I would love that. I, I, I came in supporting Villa when Alex McLeish was in there. I've watched some crap. All of us have. We have watched some terrible, terrible stuff. Get me in the conference league. We can do mm. it. We really can. The thing I don't understand with that statement when people say, oh, well, we're not ready for Europe. I, I, I question that and I say, well, what when teams qualify for conference league or Europa League, what teams are ready for Europe? What teams have got a squad full of players that can churn out Thursday, Sunday and win every yeah. What teams have got that? Unless you're an Arsenal, Man City, Man United sort of level of team. Yeah. What team has that? And it's like, it's, then it's up to you to find that balance about being able to play on a Thursday and a Sunday. And, you know, we've got a manager in charge who's won four Europa League titles as a manager. He's a European specialist. Why wouldn't we want Europe? Why not? Why wouldn't we want... Of course we want... We want for me, we want Europe now, and the owners want Europe absolutely now. Like we want it as soon as possible, and um, and p- people are fearing for our sort of, you know, our Premier League sort of record. If we, you know, in terms of like winning games, if we if we qualify for Europe, they look at like a West Ham this season. But you've got to take everything into into you know into isolation a little bit. And you look at like Leicester from like years ago when you know they were still fighting well in the league whilst whilst being in Europe yeah. and you know West Ham had that um, really really sort of decent season you know last time out and stuff like I don't know I just I just think if it's here if it's on offer you're not going to say no to it, are you and I and I think it's up to us then to work out how we do manage Thursday Sunday but I don't think Emery will be phased by that he's like I say he's won four Europa League titles while still maintaining you know a decent standard of, of you know league form as well with these clubs and so I don't think he'll be frightened by that and um I'm all I'm all for it. I think we've got I think the momentum's behind us. I really do. I think we've got that momentum. We've got the game we've got some tough games, but they're all tough games and we've shown that we can, you know, mix it up with the with, with you know with higher opposition and so we're not we have to said earlier, we're not fearful of anybody. I think the one thing I'd say is that we need to just be cautious. We need to just take one game at a time and just see where we end up. I mean, top 10 was the ultimate aim. And at the moment, it still remains that. I mean, we'll know more in a couple, two, three weeks' time, probably, where where, where we're looking and where, whether we can really sort of target Europe. But it's within our grasp, without a doubt. But let's just take one game at a time. Obviously, we've got a you know game at Leicester on Tuesday and obviously... Villa of old, it could look like a bit of a banana skin. Yeah. You think, you know, we go to Leicester <laughs> and lose on Tuesday. But like I say, we'll take one game at a time. We've got two ga- winnable games on paper this week against Leicester and Forest. But um, yeah, each game, 
in isolation each game as it comes and let's just see where we end up. But we've got a good chance. The team's playing well. The team's in confident mood and um, yeah, we got the right manager and um, and yeah, the fans are all behind it. And so yeah, absolutely for me, if we could get Europe this season, I'd totally, totally take it. People might say, oh, you know, they're getting ahead of themselves talking about Europe this, Europe that, but it's it's a genuine possibility. And you talk about that argument of oh, our Premier League form might dip if we do get into Europe, but. Why do you compete? You got to ask yourself: Why do you compete in the mm. Premier League? Why do you do it? Mm. Like, what what's the point of finishing tenth uh, rather than sixteenth? Like, realistically, you get a little bit more money, but it doesn't really mean much. You compete in the Premier League as a club like Aston Villa. You compete in it to get into Europe. So, if the opportunity is yeah. there, you go all out to do it. And you're right; we're not getting ahead of ourselves. You know, one game at a time. Mm. Of course, you look at Leicester on Tuesday. How's that banana skin? We were saying it on the coach yesterday. Yeah. Great win at Chelsea. We'll go to Leicester and lose one nil now. But if the opportunity is there. Go all guns blazing, go for it. I think football's never like it's never like um like a what like a like an op- you can't ever choose like an option like that. I remember like years ago, like when Villa were struggling in the league and we had that run in the FA Cup under Tim Sherwood. I remember people saying to me all them years ago, back then, going, Oh, you know, Villa oh, you know, would you rather like Villa stay up? Would you rather them like win the FA Cup? And I was like, Why does it have to be like yeah. a choice? Like it's not a choice for me. It's like why are you in a competition if you've got no intention of trying to win it? Like there's no, what's the point? Like, what what would be the point in Villa to say, okay, we get, we we're happy to finish tenth, eleventh as long as we don't get Europe? That's absolutely fine. When our ultimate aim is to get back into Europe, yeah. I understand it. Like, and being in Europe helps attract better players. It yeah. helps you. It brings on that momentum to to bring in better players and improve. When you finish tenth and eleventh, you know, which I'm not saying is a terrible thing because I said top half was always the target. But if we finish tenth and eleventh, we're not going to attract the caliber of players that we could attract if we are in Europe. And so, even if, even if that is the Conference League, look, I'm all for it. It's been a long time. Villa struggled for a very, very long time now. We haven't finished in the top half since the uh, 2010-11 season under Gerard Julio. I'm sorry, but if we get Europe this season, I'm all for it. There's not, I'm not going to be turning it down whatsoever. But like I say, we'll take it each game as it comes. We need to get to Leicester and, uh, and carry on that form on Tuesday. Yeah, all eyes on Leicester, of course. Um, but I, I just got into bed last night after coming back from Chelsea at like midnight. I had a shower, got into bed, was editing the video. And I just had a massive smile on my face. I was just like, I, I've never seen Villa this good. And people might laugh at that. And think, oh, you, you know, you're only ninth. What are you on about? But like, we, we've we all seen crap. We've seen some terrible, terrible, terrible Villa sides with terrible players. And it just looks like now, right? It's still early days, of course. It is. You know, Emery hasn't even had a summer yet. But we've got the right manager in place. These players are loving it. The team are great. They've got that bond that you talked about earlier. All the ingredients are there for a very good side now and a very good opportunity to fill it. For Villa to have a very good couple of seasons now, all the ingredients are there. Got the manager, got the players, got good owners. Nasef Sawiris was there yesterday. All good signs, all good signs. And I was just, I was just reflecting on it yesterday, and I was just thinking. I'm loving this at the moment. So good, and it's been there for and it's been there for for a few a few years. The recipe has been there for years for us you to see have it that, building to, to have yeah to have that success. Obviously, we um we brought Dino in who set us off on that journey, didn't they? And um and and he did brilliantly. Dean Smith did brilliant. We we all love Dean Smith. We know that we slightly went behind on the project when when we got Gerard in. And it didn't work, and it put us a year or so behind again, probably. Um. But then we got Emery, which has just carried on the project. And um, since since the owners came in, this is what it's been. It's been a it's it's been a project over a number of years. And uh, but that but that sort of recipe's been there. It's, it's it's it has been building for years. And you're right. It feels like we're in a position now where it's like we're, we're ready to take advantage of it now. And I I keep saying, look, if we can't get it right under Unai Emery, when are we going to get it right? 
you're right. We went, when are we going to get it right? Unai Emery's the man and to absolutely top off yesterday. We're on the coach home and we saw this Unai Emery Instagram uh, photo. If no one's seen it, I urge you to go and have a look. It's him uh, sat on the coach home with his laptop out. Of course, he's on his laptop. We were speculating, was he playing football manager? Well, we know Unai Emery, of course he's not. He's on the coach home from Chelsea. He's already preparing for Leicester. The caption is, is unbelievable as well. It says, proud of this team, proud of the whole Villa family. Thanks for the support from the stands in London or from home, but no time to relax. Really focused on Tuesday's game we don't want to stop we want more like what what more can this man do I love him I love him and it's still early days but what a bloke yeah and, I, and, it, and he's a workaholic isn't he? he's an absolute workaholic like he, I've seen a few interviews when he talks about like his days off and he talks about well his day off he's, he, he goes for lunch with his coaches and he talks about the team he talks about <laughs> tactics of football it's like is that really a day off but I suppose in Emery's world it probably is a day off because if he's working like 12 hour or more 12 14 hour days at Buddy Heath, which apparently he does he doesn't leave till very late apparently and he's there very early in the morning and then as you see he's on the coach after the game straight away on his laptop and apparently what he does he's preparing on his laptop he's preparing the presentation to show to the players the next day on PowerPoint of where the, what they did well and what they did wrong yeah. and I saw Ollie Watkins was interviewed by Sakura M yesterday and I saw the clip of it and um, they were talking about how the meetings are very long and they'll basically watch the whole 90 minutes of the game again and Emery will stand at the the front, like in the classroom, sort of thing, with a clipboard, <laughs> and he'll be pausing and he'll be pausing it and going, "You should have done this better, and you should have. And this is where you went, you know, this is where you went wrong, but this is what you did really well." And he'll keep pausing it throughout. And then in the week that then follows, the his coaching staff then drill down with individual players. Right. They show even more clips of them individually, and it's that level and attention to detail. It's not just throwing eleven players out in the field and hoping that somebody provides a little bit of magic. It's it's all. Real, it's really heavily tactical based, isn't it? And mm-hmm. um, but that's what that's what makes an elite manager. I think I think it really does. And it's weird because we haven't we haven't had this. I don't think we've ever had in, in my lifetime of following Villa. I don't think we've ever had this level of elite sort of tactical sort of manager. I don't think we have. We've had some good managers like Martin O'Neill, Dean Smith, etc. We've never had um, we've never had this sort of tactical elite mm-hmm. manager who's been at the highest level. Um, and that's what we've got. I know it's, uh, as you said earlier, this podcast feels like it's a real sort of like Unai Emery loving podcast. And But it is. It is, if I'm being honest, because, and rightly so, I mean, we're just, the form we're in is just incredible. And um, yeah, just big, big thanks to Emery for what he's doing. And yeah, we all love him. And just let's just hope it continues. Tuesday then, Leicester, we're going. Um, trips to the King Power, having success there, haven't been in. Um, buckets we haven't always done done great there I think have I ever seen us win there probably not it's my first away game actually we lost 1-0 Paul Kincheski, um in what 2014 yeah. but yeah we're not I mean we, I feel like they say this every week before every away game we don't have a great record there probably do we the 2-0 stands out as well where we 2-0 up and, and lost it 3-2 um, but we've, we've got to be going there and, and winning Forest as well on Saturday at Villa Park they've got a horrific away record why not let's just keep going like Emery says yeah. we don't want to stop we want more yeah, I think Leicester's, um, it's a game on paper which you look like we should be winning. And I think I was watching them on uh, Match of the Day, the highlights against Palace. And um, Alan Shearer commented, he said, and I thought he summed it up perfectly, actually. He said that um, he feels like Leicester's not a happy camp at the moment. He doesn't yeah. see where the, the star quality is. Obviously, they've got Madison, but after that, it's it's a little bit limited. That Defensively, they're not 
great. Um, Losing to Palace was a really poor, poor Last result. Minute as well. Yeah, really poor result from yesterday. They got battered first half as well. They went in at nil nil at half time, but they got battered less than the first half. And I think Brendan Rodgers was saying after the game they uh, they were unlucky to lose. But I mean, looking at the highlights, <laughs> I didn't really understand that. I think I think we'll go there and I think we'll go there and get a result again. If I'm being honest with you, I think Harry playing. I, I, if you keep Madison quiet, I think I think you sort of stunt Leicester sort of. Um, Going forward, tactics. Um, yeah, we don't have a great record at Leicester, as you say. We've only we've only actually won twice there, I believe, at Leicester. Wow. I'm sure we have. I think it was in the very early days when the stadium was open. We won there, and I think we um, and then we won there in lockdown, obviously when Barkley scored in the last minute. But yeah, apart from, I've never seen us win there. Um, so yeah, it's uh, not a happy hunting ground. But uh, em- Emery loves breaking records at the moment with his team. So yeah, I think I, th- I, th- I think we've got a good chance of doing it again. Yeah, let's change that record. Why not? Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. It is massively appreciated. Do get involved on Twitter. Let us know what you're thinking. Get involved on Villa on Tour on YouTube. Leave your comments, whatever. Do subscribe to this podcast, of course, on whatever platform you are listening to it on. Do you fancy doing a podcast after Leicester, Simon? Why not? Yeah, absolutely. Why not? Crack on. Exactly. Loving it. Thank you very much for listening. Do subscribe to Villa on Tour on YouTube as well. Up the Villa.